0: so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of CSU and your host of the show. And if you don't know, CSU made a small announcement this week. You guys might want to check this out where we now have a new client portal where basically your clients, you can communicate with them easily uh, and they can see every step along the road of the transaction process. So anyway, it's something you guys may want to check out. You can go to uh, the sisu.co website and look at our latest blog and that'll give you some more information on that. So today I have a special guest with me here. It's fun. I love getting some some guests like we have today. It's it's fun for me to be able to have conversations and ask people like Sajig the questions I get to ask. So today I'm here with Sajig Patel. He is the vice president of segments with KW and that's a new, new role for Sajig. So we're going to learn more about that today. So Sajig, you grew up, did you grow up in Pittsburgh or you graduated from Pittsburgh or how did you, and before I, before you answer that, I also saw that you have an engineering background. You used to be a senior developer. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So
2: I actually grew up um, outside of uh, State College, Pennsylvania, uh, the home of the Nittany Lions in a little town called Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. Um, And I went to school at the University of Pittsburgh, where I graduated with a degree in information science and uh, started my career working for a startup company doing software development.
1: Okay. So what do I need to do to get you to come work with Sisu?
2: (laughs) That was my old life. Uh, I've gone through many career changes since then, but uh, yeah. So uh, it was a fun time of my life. We, uh, you know, uh, created online digital portfolios for higher education. So, you know, being able to provide solutions for institutions, and colleges and then college students so that they could actually create digital portfolios to carry their work through. That was a fun thing to do at the age of 21 to actually be the lead developer um, and one of three developers that was able to develop and release uh, a web application that had over a hundred thousand users.
1: Wow. Congratulations. How long did, how long were you
2: there? Uh, I was there for four years. And that was straight out of college. You did that? straight out of college. And uh, it's funny story. So uh, going through college, um, you know, my uh, parents struggled putting me through school. So I had three jobs going through college. And my senior year was when I uh, changed my degree over to information science. And I said, you know what, medical field isn't for me and I'm going into IT. So I was desperate to learn and I was eager um, and I'm growth minded, so switched my career and uh, I was working in the computer lives at that time and I really started enjoying coding. So I uh, started going to, to look for intern opportunities and no one was taking me on because I had no experience. And so one of the interviews I went into was this startup and I was up against two Carnegie Mellon graduates and I just told the company owner, I said, look, I just want an opportunity. And if that means that you don't pay me and I work for free for the next three months, I'm all in. And uh, that's how I got started. I actually beat out to Carnegie Mellon graduates and it was intriguing for them because I said I'd work for free um, and they got the best out of me for, you know, 90 days. And did, uh,
1: did they make you work for free that first 90 days?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, they gave me a 1200 page uh, ASP book. And I learned how to code an ASP, which I'd never done before. And they said, we want you to go build out an internet site. And I read it, I developed it, delivered it to them in 30 days. And they said, okay, now go start prototyping this. And they gave me their desktop application that they were doing in VB. And they asked me to go make it into a web application. I said, okay started prototyping it out and 60 days in I was making really good headway and they uh offered me a full-time job
1: okay so and you become their head developer after that and you did this for four years you guys had a hundred thousand users which congratulations that's awesome and then what happened to that because it sounds like you were on the path for success like and for success in that segment right so so what happened what happened then
2: Yeah. So, you know, working for a startup is not the easiest thing. I'm sure you know that, right? So, you know, funds are always limited. And, you know, I took I turned down um, a lot of jobs uh, before I took on that opportunity. So with that internship, so with the experience that I had gained, you know, I tell the story because I remember it so clearly, like it was yesterday. I had 52 first round interviews from the job at college. And I started doing the interviews and getting called out and flown all over the country for the second interviews. And I had multiple offers from several big companies, including Deloitte, uh, with much higher pay than what this company was paying me. And I turned them all down because I wanted something that I could own. I didn't want to be a part of a big team. I wanted something that I could build and be a part of. And so I turned down all the big dollars and started working for these guys. But you know, I got burnt out. You know, yeah. when you when you're a senior developer and only one or three engineers on a project, and you know college uh, uh, web applications, I mean delivering it before school starts every year in August and revamping new versions of it. It's a lot of work and, uh, working seven days a week, 18 hour days and going home just to sleep at the age of 21, 22, 23, 24, you're missing out on a lot of life. And, uh, so, you know, I, I got into a really bad car accident one night driving home from work after a really long day after we had just done a major release and totaled my car. And I was like, I'm done. That was it. And my dad's like, you're done. He's like, we need to go and, uh, get into business with together. And my dad had just sold his, um, hotel that we had, that I'd grown up in, in the hotel business. And then we ended up buying one together in, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Okay.
1: So you went from develop, it sounds like, it sounds like developing was a great career for you, but then you're on burnout. You're a startup. And then you get in an accident you're like, that's the sign. Like I need to do something else here. And I am actually reading the David Goggins book right now. I don't know if you've read that, but read it. Uh, like, you know, as we talk about the thing about this podcast is, you know, the name of its grit. Right. And mm-hmm. it's so fascinating for me to just see what everyone's path has been in their journey, because we all have a different journey. And I think from the outside, everyone looks at everybody else's journey and thinks, you know, they they had it easy why couldn't i why couldn't i get there like they did and you know usually the most successful people i've noticed have the biggest challenges right they had they had the biggest challenges growing up so or growing up or maybe even you know as an adult like you know any entrepreneur like me has had multiple failures right so yeah. so you start this you now get into the hotel business with your dad you own a hotel and was that a franchise you guys were part of a franchise or yeah.
2: Yeah, so we bought a small independent um, like franchise group that had gone belly up. So you know, when when we took it over, um, getting the financing for a property that was failing was tough. But I got to experience a lot. So my dad let me take the the reins on it, and I went out and secured the financing to go uh, buy the property. Uh, we did a million and a half dollar renovation on it, franchised it. And I took a, a failing business that was doing about $600,000 in business and turned it into $1.3 million in three years. And we did it because we focused on customer service. And when you focus on customer service and delivering your experience, that keeps customers coming back. So growing up in the hotel business, I, I knew that you know customer service is how my dad built it. And that's just something that was ingrained in me is always taking care of the clients, making it right. Um, so it was fun. And then, uh, you know, after hitting that revenue point, I, you know, I kind of got bored. I'm like, there's got to be something else. And so I, I made a hire, put a general manager in place, and I said, you know what? I want to go start a coffee shop. Started a coffee shop, uh, another franchise. It was a newer franchise. Learned a lot of lessons because it didn't work out. The coffee uh, franchise actually filed bankruptcy two times in the three and a half years that I owned it. And we were one of the only ones in Ohio. So I was given something that wasn't really going to work out at the end. We had great customers. We were delivering great service. But the amount that I was paying in franchise fees and marketing fees, we weren't seeing the value. Mm -hmm. So I ended up walking away from that, uh, lost $250,000 of hard-earned money and um, said, okay, got to start over. (laughs) And I still had the hotel at that time. And uh, to top it all off, the the manager that I put in place wasn't the right hire. So he took my business that I'd built up to 1.3 and took it all the way down to about 850. So I said, okay, I guess I got to turn that back around. Uh, Took it back over. And within 18 months, I took it back to doing 1.2 million. And uh, in the midst of that, I also bought another hotel. And uh, bought it with some partners and we turned that hotel around, ended up selling it. I sold this one, bought another one. And it, in 2009, uh, it was a joke. Um, and that's what led me into real estate. It, it was me and my two partners um, at the time that when we bought my second hotel, they're like, you know, we buy hotels, we sell them, we, we all know how to do this. And um, we pay a lot of money to these commercial real estate agents that don't know anything. And we've actually owned and operated and we do this. Why don't we get into real estate? Well, we all know what happened in 08, 09. And it was probably the worst time to get into real estate. That's when you worst got in,
1: right? It was 09. That's when I got in.
2: Yeah. And the worst time to do commercial real estate, let alone real estate, right?
1: Well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, I bought, a, I bought a franchise. I was the franchisor, not franchisee of Housemaster. So we had 200 and something locations when I bought it. And anyway you know, as you know, when real estate crashes, home inspections crash. So it yeah. was not the right time to buy that business either.
2: But yeah, uh, so. So, uh, we, you know, we, we, we all joked about it. So that led us to going to uh, real estate school. So I went to real estate school they actually started before me. Then I started, um, I ended up getting my license first, uh, got my license and uh, I was with an independent broker for six months. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those that, needs to learn a lot before I'm going to go take care of someone because I want to make sure I give them the best service. Um, so I, I just sat there and mentored him, didn't do any transactions for six months. And I'm like, okay, there's got to be something better. Like I need to do something. And uh, every day though, when I was driving to this independent broker that was 30 minutes away, two minutes away from my house was a Keller Williams office that I drove by every day. And so it was uh, Thanksgiving Eve. And that morning I drove by and on the way home, I said, you know what? I'm transferring my license. Walked into the Keller Williams office and the TL wasn't there, OP wasn't there, but an interim MCA was there. And I walked in and I said, I want to transfer my license. And she's like, who have you been talking to? And I said, no one. And she's like, you just want to transfer your license? I said, yes, can I transfer my license? Right. So she sat down with me we did the paperwork I transferred the license. That's how I came to Keller Williams. Wow. I wasn't if, recruited. if it
1: were only if
2: it were just always that easy to bring someone like you into it. yeah. Business, so, right? you know, uh, I tell the story because you know, for where I'm at right now, it I wasn't recruited. I just walked in one day.
1: Yeah, which is very, very uncommon in real estate for those of you listening who are not in real estate. <laughs> yeah. So so then you come into Keller Williams as a still a f- very new agent. And uh obviously KW has great training, so you uh went along those lines and tell me about your real estate from there. What, what happened?
2: Yeah. So I came in and you just mentioned the great training. That's what I did. I went to every training there was in the first 60 days, went through Keller Williams University, got online, watched all their videos, went to every uh, in-person training there was, and I just immersed myself and ended up being rookie of the year the very first year, you know, and I joke about it because I left an IT job you know, I, I got out of the hotel business, lost a lot of money in my first year. I was rookie of the year, sold 23 homes and I made $18,000 at the end of the day. And I was like, what the heck? I'm like, I can't live off of this. But the housing market crashed in Cleveland. My average sales price was $55,000.
1: Oh, wow. I was thinking, how did you sell that 20 something home, 23 or 28? What was it? 23 homes, 23 homes. And, and only make $18,000. That doesn't seem possible, but the average price point of 55,000, 55,000. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So, so now you're questioning, do I need to get out of real estate?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I'm questioning it. Um, and I went to bold the seven week, eight week course back then that Keller Williams offers. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm not quitting. I don't quit. So I'm going to keep going. And uh, I, I got into it and I had a great coach that uh, for that eight weeks, went through it. My business went up that year. I went from 23 transactions to doing 37. But something important happened during that time. And that was, I experienced my very first red day. And red day is the, the day that Keller Williams takes off. It's, it's the culture of KW that Mo Anderson started. This um, is what makes people bleed red, right? This is what makes people bleed red. Yeah. And so, so so tell
1: us about, tell us about that day.
2: So that red day was the very first one that I was a part of and we were giving back to veterans and, um, we, we were going from home to home. We did 12 homes that day, just landscaping, enhancing the outside of each one of these veteran homes, shaking hands with them, thanking them for their service. And it was just one of those experiences that, that touched you. And so the following year I said, you know what? 12 was great, but we've got an office of over 150 agents. Like we can do more than that. And so I took it over the following year and we doubled it. We did 24 homes and, you know, it was just, it was the one day that I looked forward to every single year because it it just made everything worthwhile.
1: What is it, it, what is it about? I think this is always true, right? When you focus on others instead of yourself, so now it brings you, you know, happiness, peace. Like, what is it about that
2: subject that just like hits you? Yeah. And I think it's the stories, right? It's the, the relationships that you get to create with people, the relationships that I create with those veterans by getting to know them, understanding their story, hearing their story and just how they were treated when they came back from war. You know, we had world war two, Korean uh, veterans. We had a, two actually world war one. And it was crazy the stories and how they were treated. And, you know, at that point in my life, I was just so thankful that, you know, because my parents were immigrants and coming here and the freedom and just the challenges that we'd gone through, but then to have an opportunity to actually go, go meet with some of these veterans and hearing their stories, it made my story like, you know what? I haven't gone through anything yet. Yeah. And it just made me appreciate everything that they had done even more. It seems like when I was a kid,
1: I remember just I remember several experiences where I witnessed people taking veterans for granted. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that our culture isn't that way anymore. Right. I think in general, our population is extremely grateful and you know stands up to applaud them, you know, if they get announced at an event or so I, I think that's changing, but there's still gotta be some of that right going on where, where people just don't treat them the way they should be treated.
2: Yeah. And it, I mean that became my passion project, right? So Red Day was the one thing that I took that took over. And I literally the way that I ran it, it was it was like a business to me. Like I I would actually take two months out of my real estate business to focus on doing Red Day and making sure that we created the best experience for those veterans and we we were able to serve as many as we could to the point where the last year that I did it, we did 256 veteran homes in one day. We fed a thousand homeless veterans and we partnered with home Depot. They gave us a big grant for supplies. We generated a tons of local donations from landscapers for all the mulch and everything. We had over a thousand volunteers And we, I was able to get all of our market centers in Northeast Ohio to work together for that one single day. That's incredible. It was, it was the most amazing experience that you can imagine. So
1: that was kind of your hook into, into KW, right? I mean, you were like, wow, this company
2: cares, this company gives back, and this is something I want to be a part of. Yeah. You know, I I always tell people like money's great, right? Money, everyone needs money. But what you can do with it, that's what gives us significance. And um, for me, I don't need to, to live a, a big fancy life. For me, it's what am I able to do with it? And you know later on, I'll tell you like my big why and why I do what I do today, because I don't need to, to, to have a job. <laughs> um, so you know. so why, why not tell us now?
1: Like, what, what is that big why? That, so, I wanna I want know this.
2: Yeah, so you know, in two, it, it, I think it was in 2017, 2018. You know, I heard Gary say, you know, you can be anywhere you want in life, right? Anywhere you want in five years, just have to build a plan around it. And for me, um, I wanted to get to a place where I had enough rental properties, where it would give my family enough money to to be able to to live our lifestyle that we currently have but then also so that I can actually go create educational opportunities for kids. I know what I went through growing up and what my parents went through to try to put me through school. And I just wanna go give those kids that don't have that fortune to go to college, don't have the ability to have schooling and to be able to go make that happen for them. And initially it started out that I, I, I wanted to go on mission trips to actually go educate kids. And then in 2019, when I came into uh, Keller Williams to work here at corporate, when Monica Reynolds brought me in, I told her, look, I don't need a job. And if I do commit to it, I already know when I'm quitting. It's December 31st, 2021. She's like, what do you mean? How do you know? And I said, because I built my plan and my investment plan that gets me there. And I had a countdown and I showed her my phone and that had the countdown that December 31st, 2021. And she's like, Oh my God. And then her coaching started and she coached me and she's like, look, how many kids do you want to impact? And I said, as many as I can. Well, she's like, you're not gonna be able to do it if you do it on your own. She's like, why don't you think bigger? She's like, what if you had the money to go hire people to go make a bigger impact? And that's when I'm like, okay, I didn't think about that. Cause for me, it wasn't, it was never about money or making more money. It was always about what can I personally do to give back? Mm -hmm. And when she coached me to it, it changed the way I looked at things. And for me then it became, okay, well, how do I get to impacting a hundred thousand kids? Cause it's not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so this past year, uh, you know, December 31st is actually gone now, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, here we are in 2020. I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, And I hit my goal of the number of doors that I needed on August uh, 13th. Congratulations. uh, That was to, to hit 100 doors. I hit it four months and 17 days earlier than what I expected it's funny how things happen. And then uh, the week later, I uh, ended up finding a Facebook friend from high school, who was actually in a mission trip in Uganda, helping kids. And everything started to line up. And that was the first time that I was able to actually start creating educational opportunities for kids. To the point where right now we have 22 kids that have this entire year of schooling paid for in Uganda. That's awesome. That's the first of 22 or, you know, the first 22 of a hundred thousand. So now I have a new goal is in the next 10 years, I need to get to a thousand doors so I can put a hundred thousand kids through school.
1: So you're not stopping at a hundred, you're going to a thousand doors. And the reason you'll get there is because it's not about you. It's about, it's about about others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's such an important message subject. Like we could just end this podcast right now. And if people would just learn that, if people would just focus on everybody else, think what a different world this would be.
2: Yeah. And Brian, you know, uh, I I have a crazy routine and, and it's crazy. I'm up at three o'clock every day. So this is your daily routine. Let's, let's go through that. I so love I'm, up, I'm up at three o'clock every morning. And the very first thing I do when I wake up and after I'm done brushing my teeth is I sit down in front of a computer and I'm researching investment properties. And every day I'm running numbers on investment properties. And every week I have at least two to three requests for packages from brokers all across the country. And I'm running numbers. So where, where are you point. buying these properties all over the U S or where are they at? Uh, right now, they're all in Ohio, and um, I have expanded that search uh, to all over the country. The biggest thing I've found is, you know, uh, reading The Millionaire Real Estate Investor that Gary wrote, that book has been my Bible. And um, it's in the very first two chapters, he says, you have to define your criteria. When you're clear on your criteria, it's easy to say no. You don't get emotional around the properties or the deals, and I got really clear, and I know what fits my box. Um, I've created a spreadsheet that actually has my entire plan laid out, how many doors I need to buy every single year, what criteria they need to match, and if they don't fit that, I don't buy it. And it's as simple as that. And that's exactly how I scaled from five doors in 2018. Yeah, 2018 to 103 doors right now where I'm at.
1: So I'm guessing you have a team of people now going out and working this business, helping you buy these properties, that kind of stuff. No, I do it on my own. You do it all. Yep.
2: Wow. Okay. I've never, I've never seen that before. I mean, I, I know I run run my own numbers. I put my own offers together. That's mine. That's, that's one thing I don't give up. I'm a control freak. (laughs) I do have (laughs) property managers that are managing these properties Um, Not all of them. I still manage 17 of them, Um, yet the rest of them are all managed by a property manager.
1: Okay. So I need to go back to your daily routine because um, obviously the only way you could do this is to have, I don't know, 18-hour days or what time do you go to bed at night? Uh, I'm usually in bed between 8 and 9 every day. Okay. So you're in bed between 8 and 9. You're up at 3. So you are getting six hours of sleep. You're researching homes
2: until when? Uh, usually it takes me about an hour. Okay. Then I go work out every single day, work out. So four o'clock you're working out what kind of workout, what does your workout schedule look like? Um, I'm either running, I'm lifting or I'm on the Peloton. <laughs> okay. So
1: when you lift, you go to a gym or do
2: you do that at home? Everything's at home. Okay. So you All have right. a tonal as well. I got a tonal. I've got a Peloton, uh, the bike and the treadmill. Very nice. Isn't yeah. the Tonal
1: amazing? I mean, I, I'm not sponsored by Tonal, but Tonal, if you want to give me a sponsorship here,
2: I am a huge fan. Like, oh, yeah. I, I use I am too.
1: pretty much every day.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, and as soon as I'm done with my workout, I um, sometimes I'll sit down and read um, or I'll get ready and start heading into the office. I'm usually in the office by six o'clock, 6, 630. So, and... so
1: before you go there, when you run, which you're either biking you're cycling working out or running when you're exercising what do you usually listen to
2: uh whatever's on the bike or the the the, you know the treadmill every now and then before i got my uh, peloton treadmill i would listen to books okay that was my way of reading and getting caught up or i'd listen to every now and then i listen to podcasts when i'm driving into work yeah okay But for me, the biggest, you know, that routine has been with me for over five years. Um, And it's when I became super clear on what I needed to do to become that person who can make this happen.
0: If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit.
1: This is awesome. So you work out, what time do you finish your workout? Usually right around five, five fifteen. Okay. So here it is, five, five, fifteen. You've already had several hours of a day. You've already worked out. You've already fed your mind. You've already found whatever properties you need to find that day. Most people are still in bed. And what happens next?
2: Yeah, I get showered. I eat my breakfast and I'm out the door.
1: Okay. So when you go out the door, where do you live now? Uh in Austin. You're, you're in Austin. That's
2: what I thought. So you're out the door by what time? Usually right between 5.45, late latest six o'clock. Okay.
1: So how far the, from the office do you live? About 35 minutes. Okay. So by 6.30, you're in the office every day. Yep. Okay. So you're the first one in the office. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. This is incredible. So... So you get to the office and what's, what, what does your day look like then?
2: Yeah. So I still coach a lot of our top agents across the country. So, you know, between usually six and eight, eight thirty most mornings I'm coaching. Um, I get in and I coach some of our top real estate business owners across the country. That's, that's my time to pour into others. Okay.
1: So we'll come back to this, but so in the morning from six to eight or whatever that looks like, you're now coaching other people, once again, giving back. How did you get into MAPS coaching? Like, we didn't, we didn't go through that story yet. I wanted to get there, but I, we went off track here, which is great. But yeah. tell me, like, how did this alignment with MAPS coaching happen in 2019?
2: Yeah, so, um, well, I got to go back to when I was a coach, right? So, um, in 2015, my, my MAPS coach at that time, uh, Abe Shreve, actually, you know, as he was coaching me, one day just said, have you ever considered being a coach? And I'm like, Abe, you're crazy. I'm, I have no qualities of being a coach. And he's like, I think you do. You just don't know it. And so he, he got me to go complete the application. I went through the process and became a coach. And before I knew it, I fell in love with it. And it, it became a really big part of my business. And so I still have my real estate team. Even today, I still have my real estate team. How big's your team? Uh, it's only four people. We did 25 million and 100 units last year. Okay. Um, but It's running on its own.
1: I, right? had, I right? had no idea that you
2: had a real estate team. team. Yep, still have it today. So started it in 2011 and it's still there today. I'm just not in it.
1: But, like but you're, I, I would venture to say you're a better coach because you have that. Yes,
2: Yes. And um you know going through the time from when I went be, became a coach, you know, I went all in. I don't do anything half-assed I hope that's okay to say. Yeah, that's great. Um, but you know, I I I really became passionate about it um just because of my experiences, right? I had some bad coaches and and I was like, man, for the the money that you pay, if you have a bad experience, like you got to do something about it. And, and uh, so I wanted, I didn't want to be that bad coach for someone. And I'm like, I need to be a great coach. So I went all in, had the amazing opportunity to be uh, mentored by Tony DeSello, And he took me under his reins. And, you know, there was a small group of us and Tony just poured into us. And, you know, it wasn't long before I became a head coach with MAPS. Then I became an executive coach. And then once I became an executive coach, 2019 came around and Monica brought me into MAPS.
1: So what is an executive? What is a head coach? Like how many are there? Let's talk about MAPS for a minute. How many coaches are there? How many executive coaches, head coaches? What, what does that process look like? Because I mean, people in KW probably understand this. People outside of KW have no clue what you're talking about right now. Sure.
2: So between our MAPS coaches, so we, in MAPS, we have one-on-one coaches, we have group coaches, and we have bold coaches. So that entire community is almost 250 coaches right now. And when I got in, they had maybe four or five head coaches. When I became a, a head coach, we had a total of about 10 and there was only two executive coaches at that time. And that was Tony Desello and Monica Reynolds. Okay. And the way that you get the right to become an executive coach is you have a wait list of people who want to be coached by it. You. Um, you don't just get the right to go say, I'm going to be executive coach, because when you're an executive, you're charging more to the client because people are wanting to be in your schedule that's giving you the right to go charge more.
1: See, and uh, I knew this was a much bigger deal than you made it out to be. Like you were just like, yeah, I was an
2: executive coach. Yeah. Cause it's never about me, right? It's, it's about right. who you're able to, to make a big difference in. And yeah. so once I became that executive coach um, again, you know, it was the people that I started coaching. I just loved coaching. And with the business experience that I had, I was able to help people really run their real estate practices as businesses. Instead of just accidentally succeeding, they knew why they were succeeding because they knew their numbers right? They were reviewing PNLs. They were highly profitable. We went from not being profitable to being profitable, watching conversion rates, which CSU becomes a really critical piece of this later on in the picture, right? Yes, so when you know your numbers and you know, hey, how many appointments do I need to go on? How m- what's based on my conversion rates in order to hit the financial goals that I have, everything else becomes easier. It's clear. You know what activities you need to focus on in order to get the results that you want.
1: What year was this that you became an executive coach? It was in 2018. Okay, okay, all right. So now you've given us the backstory. So then you become an executive coach, and then you aligned with Maps Coaching
2: Corporate, right? Didn't you? So what? What was the next? What was the next phase of that evolution? Yes, yeah, so we actually at that time we were at the home of. The leader at that time, we were at his home and we were, we were at a retreat and we were doing an exercise and we all broken into little task forces and Monica and myself ended up on a task force. And um, we had an assignment to, to go figure out the pathway to becoming a millionaire real estate coach. Now, we've heard Gary write the book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent.
1: Yeah, everyone knows the MREA book, but I don't know that everyone knows about this book.
2: Yeah, there is no book, right? So the millionaire real estate coach was something that Monica and I worked on together. And, you know, she was one of the very first millionaire coaches. Not too many people know about that. And so, you know, when we worked on the project together, I didn't know Monica, she didn't know me, even though we were head coaches together and we were executive coaches, we just never crossed paths and decided to, to, you know, build any sort of a relationship. So when we worked on that project together, that was the first time that we actually started communicating and I'm one of those, I'm not very patient. So I went and figured out how to make it happen, put a spreadsheet together presented it to her on a Saturday morning. Uh, Cause that's when we would have our touch base call. So it was Saturday morning and I came onto the call and I had it all done. And she's like, I'm going wherever you go. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going, but that's cool didn't mean anything to me. And then July of that year in 2019, she actually called me on her way to Austin and said, I'm going into Gary's office to tell him I'm taking the job of being the VP of maps. And she's like, I'm taking you with me. And I said, what does that mean? She's like, you're coming with me. Is there any reason why you wouldn't? And I said, Monica, I know when I'm leaving, I don't need a job. Tell me, why would I go back to having a corporate job? I'm happy with doing what I'm doing, coaching, running my real estate business. And I still had my hotel. I said, I really don't need it. And I said, by the way, my pathway with all these investments is going really well, too, that I don't know if I really want to do this. And she's like, well, you're doing it. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it was, it was that moment where I said, you know what? Okay, I'm all about helping others. I want to make a bigger impact. I'll do it. I'll do it until the 31st of December of 2021. That gave her enough time to coach me, like I mentioned earlier, to thinking bigger. And it didn't take long. I think it took her like maybe four months, if that, to coach me to think bigger and to say, okay, I'll stay longer. But it's it's interesting. You know,
1: obviously we work with thousands of teams here and... (laughs) all the most successful team owners, right? All the most successful agents, they all have a coach, right? Yep. Um, they have someone holding them accountable and helping them think bigger. Cause sometimes when you're in your own world, you don't see this that these people over here can see by looking into your life. And it's true for all of us. Like we all have, we all live in this little world where we see things through our own perception or perspective and somebody else can look in on our lives and say, wait a minute, why, why are you doing this, right? Yep. And that little shift can mean the world, right? It can mean everything.
2: Well, coaches make all the difference in the world. I don't think people see it that way, right? Most people see um, having a coach as an expense. And I look at it as I'm making an investment in myself. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and I mean, I spend a lot of money on coaching every year, a lot. And I attribute a lot of the success that I've had because of the the coaching that I've received and the way that they've been able to help me think differently, show me a different perspective that I may not be thinking about because without that, we all have our own blind spots. Yeah. Right. We we don't know what we don't know, but that's what a coach is there for.
1: Yeah. Um, this, I mean, this was a great lesson for me. I've, I've been married to spring now for seven years and, Pretty much every year since we've been married, she spends over a hundred thousand dollars a year on her, right? And what that means is coaching, masterminds, whatever it is, right? Advisors, just to, you know, learn and grow, right? So investing in yourself also lets you invest in others, right? It's kind of like it's kind of like putting your mask on first when you're in the airplane. Yep. Now you can make a difference for others, which is, which is why you invest in yourself as well. Because yeah. I know it's not about you. It's, it's about
2: making a difference for others. Well, my morning routine tells you that I invest in myself first. It starts with me. If I'm not able to pour into myself every single morning, I can't pour into others. And I tell people if my morning routine is ever out of sync, I'm probably not at 100% that day. Yeah, I'm sure. And I start out by winning the mornings. If I win the morning, everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, That's great.
1: Okay, so here you are. Do you have like a final date now?
2: Like, you know
1: that that just got extended. But do you do you have a final date now? What what does that look like? Are you just going to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to stop at a thousand. I'm good. I'm good with
2: making this global.
1: Or what? What's your vision now?
2: Yeah, I mean uh, that vision. I mean, it's uh, until I hit that hundred thousand kids. I mean, I'm not stopping. You know, and I, I, I I would venture to say you're not stopping. When you do hit that hundred thousand kids. You're probably right. Cause it's going to, it's going to, it's just going to keep expanding, but I gave myself a timeline. You know, the one thing I know is wh- when you set a timeline to it, you can work a plan backwards really easily. Right. Now, now if you say stopping, what you mean by
1: stopping is, you know, I'm making a difference for a hundred thousand kids. I'm educating them. I'm once I get to a hundred thousand I'll continue doing a hundred thousand or like, what, what do you see happening there? I mean, what, what does that look like? What is the stopping point?
2: As long as I'm able to continue to create opportunities, I don't think there is a stopping point. Right. Yeah. I think the, the, the greatest gift that we can give someone is by changing their life. And, you know, there's, there's so much that's happening in our world. Right. Right now, like so many things that we don't control. And what I want to do is focus on the things that I do control versus all the things that are going on around me. And what I can control is what I do every single day, how I show up every single day and who I pour into every single day. And if I just focus on those three things, I know that that vision will become a reality. And when that vision becomes a reality, I want it to continue. And what that looks like, I don't know, but I'm hoping that there's going to be another person that feels the same way out of that group that's going to continue that legacy and that's going to continue to multiply it because that's all it takes it takes one person you go change the life of one person and you can make a big difference
1: so you know when you talk about stopping and i I just have to come back to this because i don't see you ever stopping i've had a lot of friends that you know have sold companies And gone on to do even more. And I've had a lot of friends that have sold companies that have started playing golf and drinking wine every day. And like that was their day. And, and it's interesting to see the level of happiness for those that keep growing versus those that try to maintain level, but you can't, you can't, if you're not growing,
2: you're actually coasting and you can only coast downhill. Right. Well, I always say, um, and I've heard this before, so it's not my line, but I always say that if you're not growing, you're dying.
1: You're dying. Yeah. Tony Robbins (laughs) talks about that all the time, right? If you're not growing, you're dying. And so, and what does he mean by dying? I mean, I would say if you're not growing, you're not happy. Yeah. yeah, And if you're not contributing, right. Grow, grow, growing and contributing. That's what gives you happiness. So
2: to my point, I don't see you ever giving that up subject. Yeah, I I don't, I don't either. And my wife actually jokes about it. (laughs) She's like, you keep saying you're going to do this. I don't see you ever stopping. Like, yeah. Why would you? Yeah. Because this, that's what brings you joy. Yeah, it fulfills me. Yeah.
1: Glad we're all clear on that. Yeah. It, it's a, it's you live a great life. I I love it. So, let's come back to KW. You work in the offices in Austin. You see Gary probably on a daily basis, is that right? Gary Keller, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, at least uh, at least uh, on a weekly basis I see him. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's that like working with Gary? I, I personally think Gary changed this industry forever. I think the future of the real estate industry is teams. And I don't think teams would exist today. Certainly not the way they do if it wasn't for Gary and the millionaire real estate agent book that he wrote, right? Yeah,
2: I can tell you this. Um, he's an amazing leader. I don't think I've ever come across someone who can challenge you and cause you to think is think big and completely change, you know, the way you think about something so quickly as he can. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, I'll give you a simple example. I mean, I just had an interaction with him last week and I thought, okay, yep, we got a great plan together, went in to present it to Gary. And within a 45 minute time frame, he was able to so clearly cast a vision and a bigger opportunity than what a room full of us even came up with. Yeah. And the light bulb went off and I got it. And I was like, Holy cow. Yeah.
1: Like, I, you have no idea how many people I've come across that, whether they're at KW or not, they were at KW at one point or another, but these are people that have all shared with me, these stories of sitting in a room with Gary and Gary got them to see, instead of seeing this, see this. And in fact, if you want to listen to my podcast from this week with Brett Jennings, that's a, that's a prime example of that. I mean, he credited Gary, I believe right on my podcast to helping him get from here to here, just because of the, the comment Gary made to him, opened him up.
2: And and Brian, I'll share this, that, The way Gary thinks and the way that um, he sees things, it just doesn't apply to real estate. It applies to any business, which is what's normal. You know, when I read the Millionaire Real Estate Agent, I actually give it to other business owners outside of real estate, and I'll tell them that go read it, go understand the fundamentals of what this book is teaching you. Replace anywhere you see real estate with whatever business you're in, and I promise you, it's going to change your life forever.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's it's absolutely true. And I mean, when, when Gary's talking about this, he's teaching people how to build a business. He's not teaching people how to build just a real estate business. That's right. And I mean, that that's true for Sisu. I mean, we, we brought Sisu into this real estate world and we're focused on real estate, but all of the industries I've been in before this is how people run their business. So we wanted to help the real estate industry run their business the same way, right? So anyway, but it's so true. I mean, what, what works to build a real estate team will work or real estate company as you guys are doing there at KW Corporate will work to build any business.
2: Well, and I think, you know, I, I'm just going to go back to what you just said about Sisu. I think the reason that CSU is so powerful is it gives you insight into your business right? And we always say like, what you don't measure, you don't see. And Sisu measures so many key metrics that allows business owners to actually get key insights on if the things that they're doing really matter, or if they don't. But the biggest thing that we see in real estate is agents think that they're doing more than they actually are. And as a coach, being able to actually put the spotlight on the things that they're not doing, helps them so much, but you got to know what to look for as a coach too. Right. Do you know how many real estate offices I've been into
1: where it was just like, everyone was in there just chatting it up. Right. Just having conversation. I'm like, you guys come in here to get work done. Cause like, if I was going to work in this environment, I would have to go home to get work done (laughs) because I could not work in this environment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah but um, okay. So let's talk about your new role. We don't have a lot of time left, just a few minutes. So let's talk about your new role at KW. What are you doing now versus, and we didn't really talk about when you first came into maps, what you were doing. So maybe just give us, here's what I was doing at maps. Here's now what I'm doing.
2: Sure. So when I came into maps, I was the executive director of strategy. So coming in and got into the guts of how the business was built, what was working, what wasn't, revamped a lot of it. And then we were able to get insights from clients on, hey, what's working well, what's not working, right? And we we launched this program called the voice of the client and the voice of the coach. And we were able to find out like, hey, what's working? What's not? What do they like? What are the things they want us to have? And we were able to go create products and solutions for them for what they wanted, And being able to close the loop for clients and showing them that we're able to launch products based on the needs that they have in their business is helping us change our business model as well. And being able to do the same thing with the coaches and and hearing what they want and then transforming the products that we have and the compensation plans has been helping us move closer to having the millionaire real estate coach. In fact, we got three coaches right now that three years into this model being released, will hit the million dollars this year. And that's awesome, right? Because we, every day uh, as coaches, we're helping our clients achieve great wealth. Yes, absolutely. And being able to do that for the coaching community and giving that gift back again, it's rewarding. It's about them. Yeah, for sure.
1: So for those of you who don't know, KW is actually KW maps is one of the largest coaching companies in the real estate industry, And you guys do something different than every other coaching company in the industry. And that is you only coach KW teams
2: and agents. Otherwise you would be much bigger. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, we get so, asked every day to coach outside of KW and every day we say, no, it's, it's, yeah, only I'm, the sure. Way. Just, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Sajik, what, does what the future look like at KW?
1: Like KW has been a leader since they came into this industry and is really, you know, Constantly led and came up with ideas in you know different different aspects, all different aspects of the industry. I know Gary's widely respected across the industry. Like, what does the future look like for KW? Is there anything you can share with us about plans for the future before we
2: let you go? Yeah, so I can tell you that um, you know the, my new role that I'm in, um, I've had I got the privilege of. Overseeing all these new segments, the you know being the VP of segments, but really they're communities, right? We got luxury, land, commercial. Um, we just launched KW military, sports, and entertainment. But all of these niche communities that our agents are already doing business in, and now we're just spotlighting them and providing greater educational opportunities, referral opportunities, and the momentum is building. And with the segment that we launched with Kwin with the expansion network and then with Kscore being the real estate school we have an amazing opportunity to change the way that agents do and practice real estate and instead of being generalists they're going to have an opportunity to become specialists through our communities and i think the the future and the vision that Gary has of where we're going I don't know a more disruptive leader that's out in the real estate world right now. And I'm not just saying that because I work for Gary Keller, but I've actually seen it and witnessed it. And I'm seeing the results in the communities that I lead. Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where
1: you guys are going because Gary is so fierce and competitive and has a great vision and is a great leader. So all right. I know you have another meeting. You need to jump into it. Are there any, is there any last advice you would want to leave with our listeners
2: subject? The, the, the last advice that I would get is be clear on who you want to be, where you want to be and how you want to get there. And what I mean by that is if you just did this simple exercise and, and, and I'll leave this for the listeners is go write a letter to yourself on where you're going to be 10 years from today. How old you're going to be, how old the people in your life are going to be, who you're going to be with, who's not going to be with you. Who have you grown into? And there's a series of questions that I ask a lot of people to go through because a lot of times the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, we don't know where they take us. I ask coaching clients all the time on, where do you see yourself in the next five, 10 years? And they can't answer that question. But when you're clear on where you're going and who you wanna become, the choices you make on a day-to-day basis become very easy. And that became very clear to me the more and more I watch Gary because he's super clear on where he's gonna be.
1: Yes, that is awesome advice. What a way to wrap up. Thank you, Sajak. Thank you so much for joining us on The Grit Podcast today. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining. Please share this episode when you uh, listen to it. I know you all are going to take some really key things from this. So share it out with you know your, your friends and your business partners and whoever else you want. And uh, we will join you all in uh, next week's episode. Thank you for joining today. Sajek. thanks again. Thank you, Brian.
0: Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of SISU, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, The Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.